Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Praise God! Wasn't that such a good word from Pastor Inka last week? Let's celebrate Pastor Inka once again. Such a good, good, good word that was. Father, we give you praise. So we continue in our teaching series, The Goodie Bags. All right, in this church, we, we're, not, we're never in a hurry around God's word. We're foodies. We like to call ourselves foodies. That means we love God's word because our feeding system is the word of God. So we like to tabernacle around scriptures. We just like to stay there until we are established in that truth, until our lives become a good representation of that spoken word. Amen. All right, so we're continuing our series of teaching today by God's grace, the goodie. And this is the eighth installment, the eighth installment. But before I go ahead, there's a word God gave me to speak to someone here. Of course, it's not anything dramatic. But it says to tell you that pride is a major hindrance. It's a major hindrance with anything that has to do with God. Pride is a major, major hindrance. And the problem with pride is not arrogance, actually. The problem with pride is not arrogance because sometimes the proud person is not arrogant. The person may be insecure. So you will never see arrogant tendencies in him or her. But he or she... Is proud. So the problem with pride is not arrogance sometimes, it is assumption. Assumption. The problem with pride is always assumption. A lack of complete knowledge. Assumption. Because assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. So Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So it's credited the reason for destruction to be pride, right? So, or rather to be lack of knowledge. So it says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And then Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So it says destruction are caused by these two elements, but they're different things Osea says, different from what you know, Proverbs said. Proverbs said it is pride causes destruction. And uh, Osea said it is a lack of knowledge that causes destruction. So one of them has to lead to the other for the scripture to still retain its integrity and wholesomeness because the scripture is, is, is veracious. There's veracity to scripture. You can, you can, you can um, combine all the elements of scripture and it won't be skewed. That is, every part of scripture confirms the other. It doesn't annul it. It doesn't contradict it. Some people are you know, too scientific to believe the word that it, is actually, it, ha it actually has veracity. Because every single part of scripture combines to form a single body of truth. So Hosea 4.6 doesn't contradict Proverbs 16.18. It leads to the other. So pride essentially is an inaccurate perception of knowledge. Pride is primarily caused by assumptions, ignorance. And so the reason why pride leads to destruction is because pride in itself is an insufficient amount of knowledge in the person that is proud. Amen. And so he says to tell you that you should not be proud. And so how I know you are humble is not by anything else. The yardstick for determining humility is your pursuit of knowledge. Your pursuit of knowledge. That's the yardstick for increasing humility, your pursuit of knowledge. The knowledge that puffs up is an inaccurate knowledge. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The knowledge that puffs up is an inaccurate knowledge. 
Because the Bible talks about this in 1 Corinthians 8, that there is a certain kind of knowledge that puffs up. But it says love edifies. Let's go there. Um, the Lord would have us settle this before we go into the word fully. 1 Corinthians 8. So the Bible says from verse 1, it says that now certain things offered unto idols that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but charity edifies. edifies. And any man think that he knows anything. He knows nothing. So the knowledge that is puffing up is the knowledge that does not know anything. Uh, do you understand that? So he says, this knowledge puffs up, but it now begins to explain that kind of knowledge. And he says, this kind of knowledge is the kind of knowledge you think you know, but you actually do not know. So he says, he, if any man thinks that he knows anything, he does not know anything yet as he ought. That word is powerful, as he ought. When you know as you ought, it does not puff up. When you know as you ought, it doesn't puff up. So how we know a humble man is his appetite for knowledge. When you see a man who is no longer hungry for knowledge, he's a proud person. That is the pride that leads to destruction. Because people perish for lack of complete knowledge. Do you understand? So the advertisement of destruction is pride. It goes before a fall. So a fall is coming behind. Pride is in front. When you see pride, it's the announcement of an impending destruction. So, when you come to church, you must not demonstrate pride. You must come to church willing to learn, hungry to learn, having appetite to receive from the word. Even if there are things you already know, so that you can be established. One more time will make you more established. One more time, even though it's something you already know, but one more time will make you more established. Peter, towards the end of his life as an apostle, he began to tell the church, he said, see, if all I do is remind you of the things you already know, I'm doing well. Because it is so that you can be established in the present truth. So his job was to keep reminding them of things that they had known. But there are some people when they come to church and the pastor begins to share on things that they already know, they log off. I already know it. It is a sign of ignorance, which is a sign of pride, which leads to destruction. That you heard it before and you assume you already know it is a sign that you never knew it. It's the knowledge that pops up. He that thinks he knows uh, and does not know enough as he ought is proud. So, 1 Timothy 6.3 now summarizes all of this. First Timothy. First Timothy is immediately after Habakkuk. In case you're looking for it. Alright, that could help you. I like to help people when they're looking for verses of scripture. First Timothy 6, verse 3. It says, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud. And how he describes the pride is that he knows nothing. But doting about questions and stripes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil, summaries. Alright, so, you, does it agree now? Can you see the alignment of scripture? How Osea said it is a lack of knowledge that leads to destruction, and Proverbs said it is pride that leads to destruction. And then we see from other verses of scripture how pride is actually an inaccurate pursuit of knowledge. 
And that is actually what leads to destruction. So every time you demonstrate pride around God, God resists you. He can no longer communicate value towards you. He can no longer help you because you are proud. You assume you know when you actually do not know anything. The Bible says you're proud. So please, if you have any pride here, search your heart. Don't judge by how you treat others. Because if you judge by that, you would only be getting one yardstick, which is arrogance. Do you understand? If you, if you start judging your pride content, quote and unquote, and you begin to ask yourself, but I treat people well now, I treat people well now, and you are assuming that because you treat people well, you are not proud. You, you are only taking a strand of the things that comprise pride to judge whether you have pride or not. What you should judge is how in pursuit are you of knowledge? How in pursuit? And how ready are you to learn even things you already know? That is how you judge whether or not you're humble or you're proud. Praise God. Amen. So today we'll continue in the teaching series that we have always been on for the past eight weeks, or well, more than eight weeks, because some of the teachings were not strictly on this series. Amen. And I'll be sharing what I've titled, Journey from Earth to Gold. What a powerful ministration the nine yards gave. Can we celebrate them? That was a very good one. It's amazing the touch that drama and art you know bring to the world it's just a very unique touch you know what they did in 15 minutes I may not be able to do it in one hour that's the truth it's really powerful how they communicate God's word in a very pungent and you know striking efficient way praise the name of the Lord Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6 amen Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6 this stage as beautiful as it is somewhat limits Expression, but then I'll try. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So, Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6. The Bible says that the communication of your faith, I'm an old school, so give me KJV. Praise God. That the communication of your faith may become effectual, effective, by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ. The communication of your faith becomes effective. It becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every th good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus and for the past eight installments of this teaching series we have been unearthing these realities about this verse of scripture that the communication of your faith may become effectual effective complete by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus the first thought I'd like to share with you is this that every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus is not designed to be concealed else it won't be in you Every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus was not deposited in you to be concealed. It was deposited in you to be revealed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so this is God's admonition and advice for you. That if you put any premium on the things that are deposited in you, then you must begin to acknowledge the strategy that I'm giving you for advancing this content and projecting it to a world. Amen. So he says the strategy is acknowledging, acknowledging. That is how you get to reveal all the good things that are in you in Christ. In scripture, there are three references to the word world, to the word world, three references to the word world. So sometimes because English is limited in its choice of words and its ability to communicate exhaustively all the things that the Greek and the Hebrew wrote in scripture. So it sometimes uses one word to communicate three different kinds 
of related things. Like world. The word world is used for three different things in Greek and Hebrew. But in the English Bible, it only uses world. So when you're reading Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 and it says, um, By faith understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He's not talking about the, the physical earth. That's a kind of world. That is the Psalms 24. Right? In Psalm 24 it says, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world. And they that dwell therein. That is the dimensional earth. The lands and territories. It's called oikomina in Greek. So that's a kind of world. In Hebrews 11, it's another kind of world. It's called eons, dispensations, times, and seasons. Then there is Matthew 5, 16 kind of world. You are the light of the world. You are not electric bulb. Because that's the light of the terrestrial, territorial world. Not you. Do you understand? Amen. And the light of dispensations and eons is the word. Oh boy. So how to turn on the light of dispensations and see how you change the framework of history of the word of God. That's how you light dispensations. So Hebrews 11.3 is talking about the worlds of season dispensations is framed by the word of God. But when we are in this room, we can't speak light. We need natural light because that's all comina. We need natural light for territorial worlds. But then there is the third kind of Matthew 5, 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. There is a third kind of word. It's called cosmos. It's talking about the social order. The world of human beings and their interactions with their society. That's the world that you are the light of. That's the world you are the salt of. The cosmos. Amen. The cosmos. The social order. Amen. So our interest as believers is to ensure that every deposit that is resident in us in Christ is projected effectively to the cosmos. 1615 going to all worlds that's also cosmos and preach the world to every preach the word to every creature amen so we are supposed to engage the systems the society and not stay in the salt shaker over time Christians and believers have stayed in salt shakers when the earth is desperately in need of preservation because that's the effectiveness of the salt Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you following me? So it says the communication of your faith is made effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. There's another word I'd like us to examine. It's the word honor. 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 To live in honor is to live up to expectation. This is where Pink's word kick comes in very handy. To live up to expectation is to live in honor. When I buy Cristiano Ronaldo for 70 million euros, that is a value, that is a capital, that is an investment. There is an expectation attached to that investment. 
So when I sell him as Manchester United and I sell him to Real Madrid, there is an expectation by Real Madrid making that investment United for the value of Cristiano Ronaldo that should match his performance. Once that does not match the expectation, what it is called is dishonor. Honor is living up to expectation. Mm, so good. Honor is living up to expectation. So your father would call you when you were going to the university, sit down, they would call you 4 a.m. In the morning, they said, please, as you are going into the university, you have never left our conference before, please ensure you remember the son of whom you are. Why? Because expectation attached to your heritage so where you come from should determine your behavior wherever you go to uh, so it tells you amen it sounds better in yoruba because you remember that one better than remember the you rotting wherever you find yourself you have to make a wrong move you want why? Because there is an expectation attached to your heritage. So you see a lot of parents are very conscious about that. So dishonor that name. They tell you you have embarrassed us, right? Because there is an expectation attached to your heritage. So when you bought million euros, and then you come and you play for two seasons and you score two goals, that's dishonor. Because you have not lived up to expectation. So, the strategy God is giving you, I hope this is connected. Can you still hear me? The strategy God tells you on how to ensure that you live up to expectation is what is called acknowledging. So, he says everything deposited in you has an expectation. Because, listen... It's not everybody that, because a lot of who have expectations of you anyways, people that don't deserve to have expectations of you. So when you fail in school and your friend calls you a little, you can beat him up. Are you the one paying my school fees? Because he has no rights. Even though he has an expectation, it's not a valid expectation as far as demanding performance from you is concerned. But when your father tells you you have, you have wasted my money, you feel the pain because he has the right to expectation. He made the investment. He has a right to demand returns on his investment in you. So when he does not get it, he creates a gap. He creates a gap between his expectation and your performance, your reality. Praise God. So Bible says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver and of all right. So it says there are vessels unto vessels unto dishonor. So how you enter to the league of honor is not within the jurisdiction of God's sovereignty. If a man decides to purge himself from these, he shall be. He will enter. So that legal honor. It is not determined by sovereignty. So I choose, I, I just want to I just want to use you for good works. It does not decide who uses for good works. He doesn't decide it. 
Timothy 2 19. Let's begin from there. He says, The foundation of the Lord stands so, having the seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He says, In a great house, there are not only vessels of. Let, 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 me, let me not misquote it. He says, In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also earth. And some to honor and some to dishonor. Which of them are unto honor? Pretty basic. It's not a trick question. It's gold and silver. The ones unto dishonor. Wood and earth. Good, good. Good students of scripture. So he says, some to honor and some to dishonor. He says, how you move in ranks. How you move up the hierarchy. It's dependent on volition. And his ability to just make a choice based on his sovereignty. I just like your face. I want you from dishonor to honor. It doesn't work like that. If a man purge himself from these, remember he says he will depart from iniquity if he nameth the name of Christ. So the these is referring to there is iniquity. He says if you will depart from iniquity by purging yourself from these, you shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified meat for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Good work comes to God's mind at top of the mind. You are floated to the top. Move from earth to gold. Considering today, the journey from earth to gold. Do you understand? The journey from earth to gold. We all start with earth. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. We have the treasure. In earthen vessel. But if treasure is trapped in earth, the treasure will die unrevealed. Hey, this is the challenge. If, if that treasure is trapped in earth, that earth will never, you will see earth, you will never see treasure. Because the treasure is wrapped in a, an object that has no capacity for reflection. Uh, it's trapped in earth. No matter how fantastic the treasure is inside earth, it cannot be outside the earth clay vessel. Because it's trapped inside earth. So it cannot be a vessel unto honor. Because honor is living up to expectation. What I have deposited in you, shine it to the world. So that the world can give glory to me. I am his workmanship. Created unto good works. That God preordained for me that I should work in them. So as often as I acknowledge the good things that are in me, I reveal to the world, the cosmos, the contents that have been placed in my inside. And then God can reap some glory. Returns. Reap glory. Reap glory. He, he, he reaps glory. It's his glory. It's his glory. So he reaps it. Because he invested the capital in you. Good things in you, in Christ. So you acknowledge you can be living in honor. So you can be a vessel of honor. So, I said, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, that we all sat at earth, but we cannot reveal the best of the treasure 
if we stay earthy. If we stay earthy, we cannot express the best versions of the treasure that is inside of our spirits. Ah, are you following me? So the commitment of the believer is, Lord, how do I become a vessel of it's by acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. One of the ways, which is where we're going to get to the meat of this entire thing, is by the presentation of our body. Uh, that's, how you, that's how you grow in ranks in the things of God. God deposits the things he placed in you to be concealed, Remember? He deposited them in you to be revealed. To be revealed to the cosmos. So that the cosmos will see his investment in you manifested as glory. So that they can give him the glory. Because you workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. When I see a fine work of art, I don't admire the work of art. I admire the mind behind the work of art. But the work of art is the one that demonstrates the mind of the who put it together. You are supposed to be an effective workman. That workmanship to reveal the glory and the brilliance and the power and the majesty of the workman. You don't, you don't look at the art and you give credit to the art. You give credit to the artist for creating the you are the artwork. The artist is God. How much glory God gets out of your art is dependent on your graduation from earth to gold. It's because we all start on earth level. Nobody was born again into gold. We all started earth. But as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word so that they can grow and begin to climb the ladder of relevance in the scheme of things in the great house because it is in the great house that they are vessels of honor and turn to dishonor the vessels of dishonor are not outside the great house they are all inside the great house they are all in the church but the challenge is that some people are giving god enough glory that giving god enough roi returns on his investment this is why every time a good work pops up in the mind of God, they keep being used. And then you are there waiting, God use me. You have not popped up. You are still a vessel to dishonor, but don't feel bad. Because we all started there. Paul started there. All of us started there. There was nobody born again before. <laughs> you understand? We are all born again now, like from the start. You were not born again before, so you have grown before you were born again. No. You were born again and you have to start from a very long to dishonor. It's who you are if that's where you are. Because the Bible tells us, do not lay hands suddenly on a man. Do not lay hand on a person that is still a vessel unto dishonor. Because when you lay hand on him and put him in an office of authority and position, and he's still a vessel unto dishonor, he will not be able to live up to expectation because he's still a vessel to dishonor so he says do not put a novice in office do not lay hands suddenly on a man because if you put pressure 
on a vessel unto dishonor, that pressure will crush that vessel. Sometimes it's an act of God's mercy not to lift you yet. Because you have not demonstrated honor. You have not shown him you can live up to expectation. When you put wood in fire, it burns into ashes. When you put clay, earth in fire, it hardens and cracks break to pieces. But when you put silver in fire, they are refined and come out of gold. So Job 23 10 says, you know the path that I take. When God wants to move you from earth to gold, he will expose you to some afflictions, trial of your faith. And he said, your patience has perfect work. It will be complete. Able to reflect the original intention of God for putting his treasure in you. So that when they look at your gold, they can see the treasure easily. Because you are gold, you can reflect it without any margin of deviation. Because if he puts his treasure in earthen vessels, which is earthen vessel. But the earthen reflect any ounce of the treasure that accident in it. Go into gold. And it says, you are the one in charge of this process. If a man purge himself from these. <sighs> so, so the challenge is that a lot of people get into church, get saved. Too satisfied being vessels unto dishonor. They're just satisfied. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been forgiven. Past, present, and future sins. Glory to God. I will never be able to sin for God to deny me access to Him. Glory to God. True. True. But you will never be a vessel unto honor. You just will not. Because there is a criteria. Into that break into that space. It's amazing how God sets the level playing field. You all begin at dishonor. Nobody starts. Nobody starts. But when you didn't have any start, he just go to the market at a point. You watch the movie. Did you watch the movie? He drank goats. He was going to Babalawas. You have never gone to Babalawas, so you even have a better head start. God said that at almost 40 or over 40. His ex was even very behind you. But now he has spent 40 years leading the redeemed Christian church of God. 40 years being a vessel unto honor. <sighs> but you still complain that God used me. Why are you not using me? God is looking at you. Imagine Sorosio. Use me. Are you usable? If I when you are usable, don't ask me. I will use you. You know when they say, sorry, I don't want to put much into this because I'm sure there are people watching from Canada, praise God. So let's, let's be posh so that we don't try and make them look like we're a traditional church. We're not, amen. We're not a traditional church. We're a global, amen. Praise God. But, but you get my point. Vessel unto honor. And this thing changed a lot for me. Because balanced theology for me. He just balanced it. So why is God using that guy? Why is God using this one? He purged himself 
For these, it became a purified vessel. And when you shine electricity, you pass electricity through a purified metal. It's the same thing you put in there that will come out of your output. It's not too much passion. My button is out. Praise God. Praise God. Passion to budget. Amen. Apologies, please. Amen. So, the journey from earth to gold. So, and this is the part that a lot of people do not like to hear. Romans 12. Stacy did a great job at teaching us from that scripture on Thursday. Praise God. Romans chapter 12. Hallelujah. Oh, this is so good. It says, I beseech you in the same narrative. This is not something God can do for you. You have to do it by yourself because it's a presentation. If it's a presentation, I cannot retrieve it. I have to only receive it. You must do the giving. You must do the giving. I beseech you of God that you will present yourselves a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is but many times we focus on verse 2. And be not conformed to this world and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we put so much emphasis on information than consecration. So just renew your mind. Just be putting in God's word. You have not presented yourself. But you are, you are, you are, you are, you are putting word. You will only be more informed. Not transformed. Because the requisite requirement for transformation is verse 1 and verse 2. You present your body and then you renew your mind. That has been the missing link. That, has been, that was what I said too. Ah, this is the secret of the Father. Even though they didn't have as much theology, boy, they were consecrated. Boy, they were purified. Boy, they saw the Lord. Because only the pure in heart will see God. He says, follow peace with all men and holiness. He did it away. And holiness without which no man will be able to see God through you. You can't reflect him enough. Ah, you didn't get that. No man shall look at you and see God. Because he, the God is trapped in an earthen But when you put yourself under the purging requirements purge yourself from iniquity and you grow from rank to rank from earth to wood to silver to gold Bible says speak when you come out you will come out as gold and when men see you they will see God because without holiness no man shall see God that's why you look at someone's life and that life you can't see God even though he claims to be Christian, he has not proven that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Verse 2. Because to prove is to make evident a claim. If you say in court, this is what happened, it is a claim until it is proven. So our life proving process. For God to prove to you that his good, acceptable, and perfect will is a valid possibility. If you do not present a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, then begin the conversation of renewing your mind. 
But too many times we were renewing our minds. We didn't present our bodies. We were just renewing our minds, receiving the word, listening to messages. And there is still no power. There is still no grace. There is still the glory of God upon your life because your vessel is still so earthy. Still so earthy. Still so earthy. So, God's gift to you is a new spirit. Your gift to God is a presented body. And where both of them meet is a renewed body. Uh, your spirit is God's gift to you. The presentation of your body is your gift back to him based on your understanding of his investment in you by making your spirit new. Then you respond to that gift that he gave you by giving him the gift that you can, which is your body. Now, where both realities meet is in the renewing of your mind. When those two things collide, your mind will be renewed. And when it is renewed, you will be transformed. And eventually, you will make evident the claim. You will make it evident. Because with that, you will be able to prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. This is the marriage of hyper-grace and over conservative theologies. Some say it is only works. Some say it's all grace. But the balance is, it's both. It's both. The balance is not that it all works, because that would be dead works without the empowerment of grace. Uh, and it's not only grace, because there's the demand of grace. The demand of grace is higher than the demand of the law. I have been supplied. The law made demands without giving you supply. Grace gives and makes a demand. The first demand is your body. Present it. Purge yourself. Move from one level to the other. Can God use you? Or you are so earthy that by the time the treasure is coming out, it's so corrupted because you are so earthy. Or golden. That by the time it's coming out, it's just quite exactly like how it was inside. It's dispensed with no corruption, no skill, no defilement, no interruption, no corruption. Because it's gold. And when you put gold under pressure, it's refined. And that is actually how you grow. You, you ask for things that will test your patience. You, you purge yourself. You lost. You present your bodies. When God sees the sacrifice, fire will show up. Say, so God, use me. He has not seen a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is not your spirit. He gave a gift. You can't sacrifice your spirit. It's your body you must present as a living sacrifice. And the sacrifice mounts the altar. The fire will fall. The world will come watch you for the Lord. Because you have presented your body. You have yielded your members as instruments unto righteousness. Know ye not that whom you yield yourself Servants to obey, servants to are to whom, rather to whom you 
Go again. Romans 6, 16. Know you not that to whom you yield your members, servants, obey servants, yet to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. So when you yield your members as instruments of righteousness, righteousness becomes what you become a merchant of. You will begin to explosively produce righteousness everywhere you go. Recently, I... And it was a testimony that challenged me. I was like, God, how did I forget this testimony? How? I, it was a huge rebuke for me. Just recently, two days ago, my friend called me and said, do you remember the testimony you shared with me? And he told me, he said, I never forget testimonies. I said, lie, child, child, dummy. You have not tried in this reality, in this, in this regard. I said, what, what? He said, share it in my testimony. He said, share it again. He said, do you remember back in university how a woman was pregnant for 14 months? She was in the hospital. And her husband happened to be the, you know, overseer of our um, hostel. He stayed in town. So he was just going out looking for solution. And he stumbled on me one of those days. And I said, like, what's going on? And he, he told me, he said, his wife had been laboring for, I think, over 12 months. I'm not sure exactly, but over 12 months. So, so that she's not been able to put to bed. And I prayed for him. And she put to bed the next day. It was my friend that was telling me that you didn't. I said, child, how did I forget this kind of testimony? Remember what I was saying about remember, remember how you was. Remember the things God has done through you and the things that God has done for you. When you do that, you have been remembered with him. Oh boy, such a powerful truth. I have to remind myself that no, 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 I've not done well in this regard. I must continue to remember the things God has done through me so I can keep refreshing my members. My members. My members. So that easily. Once God gets into some people, He cannot flow further. They are not purified, they are not golden vessels. You need to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy! Acceptable unto God. Because the Bible says it has to be acceptable to God. Acceptable way of presenting your body. It's not, like, it's not acceptable. Partial presentation, so more IG, YouTube, but you know, more things. It's not acceptable. You give yourself holy. That is how it becomes acceptable. God does not receive 99%. Is it? First Corinthians chapter 6. When I heard that testimony, I was like, Lord, 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 help me, help me. And he put more pressure for me to present my body. More pressure. But Lord, I, I want to present it. First Corinthians chapter 6, as we begin to consider the possibility of eventually wrapping up. <laughs> Praise God. A good preacher rounds off seven times. Amen. So that it can be a perfect teaching. Rounds off seven times. That's not scriptural, please. First Corinthians 6, 6 verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body 
How can you be joined with an with your body and be renew your mind with the Lord? You are creating a confusion. You are creating a hydra-headed monster. You are joined in both one lot, but your mind is trying to be renewed to the word. It is where your body is, your mind will follow. You no matter the information about the word you put inside your mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because when you join up with an alot and you attempt to renew your mind, you have created this. You're a monster. So he says you cannot be joined with an alot and still say, oh yes, we are renewing our minds. It doesn't work like that. Your mind will follow the trajectory of your presentation. Have you presented your body? This is the missing link in Christendom today. People has, people's heads are filled with theological jargon. But their bodies are still so earthy. They've not presented their bodies. That's the challenge. God cannot tell them to get out of their father's house. Their bodies will not let them. Hunger will not let them. What will I eat? How will I be closed? If you rank these four elements follow so perfectly the parable of the sower but that is not a day for you remember what he was saying on stage these are the levels of reception these vessels they are the levels they are the levels of reception <laughs> so when your body is not presented you can't walk by faith you can't hunger will be more of a deterrent than the faith and God will be a motivation for you your hunger will say no. When the will of God is saying go, you know, what, how will I survive? How will I survive outside of my father's house? You cannot walk by faith when you have not presented your body. You can't. You can't. You can't. So even the mind that you're renewing, you're just adding information to your head growing. Because your body is not presented. Transformation can never happen with only the mind being renewed. Your body must be presented. And in fact, it's the first thing. This is why our fathers expressed a lot more power and wisdom in their ministries. Because even when they didn't have enough of the information and Greek and Hebrew like we do today, they had their bodies presented. For days, they are modifying the deeds of the body. They are putting their body under subjection. They are fasting and they are praying. So that when they see them, they will even cast them. They are out. Because they saw glory trapped in gold. They can see it. They don't to ask you, do you have treasure inside your earth? Because they can't see it. You don't need to ask some people. You can see it. Shining through, blazing from the golden vessel. Vessel unto honor. Living up to expectation. Vessel unto honor. Living up to expectation. Oh boy. It says, but he that is joined with the Lord. Listen, how do you, oh my God. It's how you allot is with your body. How you join with the Lord is with your body, sir. Are you hearing this? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <sighs> he that is joined, how do you join with the allot? It's your body that joins up with the allot. How do you join up with the Lord? You can't just be joining with your mind. Your body must be joined with Him. Listen, this is the secret of Psalms 1 from verse 1 to 3. I'm sorry, stage. Psalms 1 verse 1, he says, Blessed is the man that walks not. His movement conditioned. That walks not in the castle of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he doesn't meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree. Verse 1 deals with his body being presented. Verse 2 talks about the meditations of his heart. Then he becomes a tree planted by the rivers of water. He does not begin by meditating on the word. He presents his body first. 
his movement is restricted by the word. Are you hearing this? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he says he walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So he allows the presentation of his body limit his movement. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law. He begins to meditate on the word. Then is a tree planted by the rivers of water. But you don't present your body. You are meditating. What are you meditating? What, what are you meditating? What are you meditating on? You have not presented your body. The revelation that the the renewing of your mind will bring to you cannot even manifest when your body is presented. So you are meditating on scripture and God tells you, go. Well, you have not presented your body. The realities of your army will still limit your obedience to that word. Because you have not presented your body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I really hope you are hearing this sincerely. That is what David knew. He said, this man that is going to be blessed in verse 3, his movement is conditioned. How do I know I own something? I regulate its availability. I am. So, if I cannot regulate the availability of something that I say I possess, it is not mine. So, when they ask you for something that is not yours, my free gati, can we pray in the spirit for the next one minute? Mele pregido o cabanano si catala hista Alfredisto gizizi calba rabata Melocoto balika talakazuta retu la praguze velete In Jesus' name we are praying. When they ask you to borrow them something that is not yours, what's the right thing to do? To ask the owner, can I give it? Because the owner is the only one that has the authority to regulate the availability of that thing. God, does he have the authority to regulate your availability? Does he have the authority? If he does not, then you have not presented your body. That means you have not told him he owns you. Your body must be presented. Forget renewing of the mind first. Your body must be presented. You come late to church and you say you are renewing your mind. Listen, guys, this is how you present your body. You ensure that God is the one that determines your availability. Where your eyes go to, where your ears go to, where your legs go to. Remember Proverbs chapter 4, the same principle. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my sin. Let them not depart on your eyes. Bind them on the template of your heart. That is the way to your heart. Forget about renewing your mind. If your ears, your eyes, your legs, your body your heart cannot be transformed. It says it is life unto them that find it. It is health to all their because they start by presenting their bodies. Say, so he that is done with the Lord is one spirit. So how you join with the Lord, of course, get born again, but consistent with the previous lot is with the body. You can't join with an alert in your mind. You can't you understand you can't join up with the halot in your mind you join up with your body how you join up with the Lord so that he can move you the way he is moving. Hey! So that he can carry you and use you. It's when your body is presented. So that once he says, I'm going. The says, man of the spirit is like a wind. You, you, you can't tell where he's going to. You can only feel him because he's spiritual. He's spiritual. 
He's spiritual. He's not earthly. He's not fleshly. He's not lustful. He says, but flee fornication. And this is a message every young person out there needs to hear. You can't be used. You cannot be used of God to a certain degree if you still meddle with fornication. It's the truth. God loves you. You are still in his great house. He will forgive you. But you are still a vessel unto dishonor. You are not living up to expectation. That's it. Flee fornication. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body. But he that commits fornication, this is why if there is ever a scale to sin, fornication ranks highest. Because it is the most limiting in its ability to restrict God from using you. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You are not your own. So, how, where do we find you? Who determines your availability? Where do we find you? Where do we find you? You are not your own. For you are bought. Oh, praise God. That's what Pastor Inka shared with us last week. You were bought with a price. What's that price? The bloody body of Jesus Christ. That's the price that bought you over. You're not your own. He says, so therefore glorify God inside your body and in your spirit. You see, he didn't say spirit before body. Inside your body and then in your spirit. If you do these things, your mind will be renewed. Your mind is trapped between those two dimensions. When you present your bodies and your spirit is saved, they meet up in the location called your mind and it's renewed and it's transformed. The Bible says, which are God's. So it's not only your spirit that is God's. Huh? Both of them, your body and your spirit, are what? As we begin to consider the possibility of eventually rounding off. Amen? First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Verse 13. Are you here with me? So, you need a commitment with your body and God. If you come early to church, it won't improve the ambience. But you are presenting your body. When you study the word in the week, you are not changing much, but you are presenting your body. When you choose to pray everywhere you go, make it a culture, you are telling God that everywhere I go, I'm still your temple. Prayer must always be up in the temple every single day. Incense must not be out. Prayer every day. Are you the temple or not? You don't only pray six hours a day, five hours a day. You pray always to validate the fact that you are his temple. Because in the temple, prayer is always ongoing. Always ongoing. Always ongoing. Fire must never be out. Incense must never be out. You are praying. You are presented. You are presented. When you leave, forget it. Just forget it. God will use you. It's a guarantee. Bible says you will be prepared unto every good work. This is the missing link in a lot of believers' realities. Their bodies are not presented and they are attempting to renew their minds. So they become very flaky, theologically bankrupt, even though they have so much knowledge, form of knowledge, denying the power because nobody's seen the power. They know so much, but they show so little. They are not claim that they are believers. 
because they didn't have their bodies presented. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. The next verse. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Verse 15. Of course, we begin to talk about love, not the word. We can't go into all of that right now. But what I want to show you right now is this. The kingdom of God, evidenced and as manifested by the church of the living God upon the face of the earth, must never at any point have more children and fathers, more than young men. When you find an army that is bankrupt of soldiers that are able to fight, and all they have is recruits and generals who have retired, that nation is bound to be defeated in war. Because all it has are experienced generals that used to fight and recruits that are yet to be able to fight. But the strong men that are supposed to defeat the wicked one are missing. They are missing. What are the children for? They, they only rejoice in the forgiveness. All, all they are doing is rejoicing in the forgiveness of sins. It's there. First John 2. It's there. Shall I really? Verse 12. I write unto you, little children. You are little children. Because your sins are forgiven you in his namesake. That's the only reality they enjoy. Their sins are forgiven and they dance there. Sometimes they die there. My sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future. They don't move on to perfection. Recruits. Recruits. God forgive you so that you can focus on the battle. So that you have been trying to figure out Am I here? Am I able to come before his presence? Do I have access into his presence or not? He forgave you. Forget about it. I've finished your issues about sin. Focus on the work. I didn't save you just to rejoice in me saving you. I saved you unto good works. I didn't save you for just saving sake. If all I did was save you so that you can just be saved, then I will kill you the moment you are saved so you can come back to me because that's the whole essence. But you unto good works. Go to the battlefield and fight. But only strong men are capable of going to the battlefield. They're the only ones that can defeat the wicked one. And the instrument of battle is the word of God. The biggest, the biggest, the biggest proof that I presented your body is in your commitment to the study of God's word. If you don't present your bodies, you will not read the Bible and your mind cannot be read. Is by your commitment to the word. That's verse 14 or is it verse 13 that says that? It says you have overcome the wicked one. Young men, strong men. The challenge is that sometimes the body of Christ can boast more fathers and children than young men. God wants to recruit more young men. Young men that they can use. You don't put recruits on the battlefield. They will all die there. You don't put generals. They are past that stage. Because there's only so much use God can have for their body. But you are still strong and young. How you make yourself battle ready is by having in you the word of God in rich amounts. Chapter 19 verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? 
by taking heed therewith according to the word. Thy word have I heeding in my heart that I may not sin against you. So how I purge myself from these is by purging myself with the water of the word. Ephesians 5.26 By the washing of water in the word. Sanctify them by truth. The word is truth. How you purge yourself from these so that you can become a vessel unto honor is to create enough time for the study of the word, the meditation of scripture, and the praying in the spirit, which is what happens in the temple constantly, continually. The presentation of your body. Allow him to determine your movement, your walking, your standing, your sitting, so that you can light in the law of the Lord. And then you become a tree planted by the rivers of water. When you do that, you become a vessel to honor, a vessel of gold. So that when men see you, they will see your good works and glorify your Father. Because you up to experience this morning as we make consecrated decisions. By yourself, make decisions. This is why many people's good deeds are not to their world, they are not presenting their bodies. Can you make decisions this morning to purge yourself from these. Purge yourself from these. Become a slaughter on sanctified, holy, meat for the master's use. Top of the mind for every good work. Top of the mind for every good work. Top of the mind for every good work. Don't let God only see you on Sunday mornings, clocking every day. Clocking every day. Present your bodies. Nobody employs you only. Your body must be available too. Your body must do the typing. Your body must get to work. You must clock in at a particular time. I didn't, I didn't employ you. Your body is a major part of that here. Your body must be used, deployed for the service of the master. Make decisions consistent with the message you have received today. Make decisions with the message you have received today. Father, we give you praise. And we give you glory. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Amen. I'm yet to finish meditating on what I just shared with you. If I teach it again, I'm sure it will be more elaborate. Because that is how God works. The rooms in his mansion with less. And his mansion is in the word. He will keep revealing more and more, more dimensions. So while we fast, I hope you are also studying the word, meditating on scripture, praying. In That's how you use your bodies as instruments of righteousness. And the Lord will help us as we consistently make decisions that are secreted in favor of God's kingdom. And his there was a line I was going to share, which is consistent with what Pastor Yika mentioned. Holiness is not a burden of confinement. It's a strategy. For advancement. Are you seeing that? So when you are living a holy life, you are not limiting yourself. So much I couldn't even share today, but I believe there will be other opportunities to share with you. But listen, holiness is not a burden of confinement. Uh, you know, I want to be free. I want to be able to do what I want to do. As departure from advancement. Alright? Holiness is a strategy for function and advancement. God bless the hearing of the word this morning in Jesus' name.
Amen. Prepare your offerings by God's grace to be given this morning. So much has happened in the last one, two weeks. God has really blessed us in this house. God has so, so been faithful. I want to be part of that. So please give your offerings, give your tithe. The account will be displayed on the screen. I'll pray. Can I pray in God's presence? All right, I'll say a word of prayer over your offerings and tithe. And, um, wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.